Welcome to the Addiction Connection podcast, connecting the hope of the gospel with the heart of addiction. I'm your host, Mark Shaw, and today on this podcast, I have a very special guest. His name is Pastor Wes Hinkley. Yay! Hey, we need a good morning. We need applause for that. Yay! You know that kind of thing. Um, yeah. Well, good morning. Yeah, I'm glad you're on. Thanks, Wes, for joining me today. It's great to be here as always. This is this is always helpful to me. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, Wes is a blessing to the addiction connection, and uh, is someone who helps us to commission people, which I think is just a really fun process. I'm doing one right now that I just, I just love it. I don't know how you feel about it, Wes, but we are glad you do it with us. And I, I know you enjoy disciple making, so I know yes. you enjoy yeah. that aspect. And I'm looking for our upcoming uh, summit up there with y'all in Kentucky. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing some of the guys I've trained and trained with. Um, we just have such a delightful group and it, it's one of these team effort things that everybody wants to help everybody and so i'm thrilled with what the addiction connection has done in just a few short years uh for the glory of god i think i think this is where it's at and what churches have been lacking wow well that's uh high praise and uh, i i feel the same way i, I i'm really blown away even this morning as I meditated, reflected on what God's doing, it's just incredible to me. But the need is so incredible out there. We've got to equip churches to do this, and that's what you're doing. I mean, I love it when I get a, a commissioning application and I look at it and I go, Wes would be perfect for this guy or, or this person, you know, and it, it's just that's, that's fun for me because I think, man, they're going to be, they're going to help each other. They're going to connect, you know, and... Um, well, and, and Wes pastors at Poplar Springs North Baptist Church, psnbc.org is the website. Mm -hmm. So uh, if you're in that area of Dublin, Georgia, um, <laughs> Dublin, Georgia, then uh, you need to go to his church. I'm just going to tell you, leave your church and go to his. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding, just kidding. Hey, and we are live <laughs> on Sunday mornings, um, oh. and we're on Facebook Sunday nights and Wednesday nights. So. Oh, wow. So um, people can join you there. Yeah. PSNBC.org. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. Well, I uh, asked Wes to join me to uh, do the special series where we're working on the myths of addiction. And actually, Wes, you have the first two myths that we're yeah. going to talk about. Before we do that, before we jump into myth number one, I want to read Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, which says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. That's verse 13. And I, I read that because I think it ties in well with this first myth. So I'll read the first myth and then I'll hand it over to you, Wes, and we'll just kind of okay. ping pong ball back and forth here. Um, these are myths that come from Dr. Lance Dode's book, 
the heart of addiction, and uh, he has 10 myths. He's a secular guy, so we actually agree with the myths, but we just want to take it further than uh, Dr. Dodes, which is Dr. Dodes doesn't think it's a spiritual problem. He thinks the problem is uh, anger in the heart and emotional and just you know normal human problems, but really separates out the spiritual. We don't. We believe that it is a spiritual problem and that the spiritual realities that Scripture talks about really help us to understand these myths, so we want to take them further. But the first myth Mm -hmm. he mentions, he says, you are addicted to things that are addictive. And this is on pages 91 and 90 through 93 in his book. And so, Wes, have at it. What do you think about this myth? You are addicted to things that are addictive. You know, he makes a good point on that, and uh, it is a myth because things in and of themselves don't have addictive properties. Um, There's not this power. Now, uh, I am, I, I have to make a confession. The other day, I bought my wife a four pound bag of M&Ms, peanut butter M&Ms. And uh, you are a good husband game here. And it was her fault that she left it by my reading chair. And therefore it's one of these things that that (laughs) I believe they may be addictive because I returned it with one pound of M&Ms left. It was awful. Uh, And I say that to say, there's no power in those M&Ms to be addictive. But what happens is, it produces in me a good feeling and I want to keep that good feeling up. And so I keep eating the M&Ms and eat them, eat them, eat them. And sometimes I'm eating them without realizing them, uh, that I'm eating them. And we could call that addictive. We joke about that addictive, but what I'm doing is I'm really pleasing my desires through M&Ms and you could, uh, please desires through many different things. It could be heroin. It could be pornography. It could be gossip. You know, some people just love to gossip because they're the center of attention. That's and, a good point. Uh, it just, when we, if we think wrongly, we'll usually come up with wrong solutions because we're not asking the right questions. And so to say that something has an addictive property in some ways is playing the blame game and saying, I'm blaming M&Ms. We are not addicted to uh, things, but rather it's the heart that is saying, satisfy me, please me. And this is how I cope with life. Um, I'd like to back up on Dr. Dodes a little bit. So if I rabbit trail, um, you get to uh, get me back on track, Mark. Okay. And I know that's a tough job. I'm still thinking about those peanut butter M&Ms, but keep going. they're good. They are so good. (laughs) Um, Anyway, uh, if we get to the beginning of his book before he gets to the mist, uh, basically, I'll just summarize it for everybody. Um, He comes up with a new way of thinking, and he's basically coming around to managing your emotions and actions. Uh, a managing, you know, oh, I realize I'm addicted, his word, to this. I need to understand why I am helpless, why I give to this, why do I give into that. And so basically, he comes down to a management of your emotions and actions, and it's a behavior management type of thing. 
rather than a heart condition. So you will, you know, like they say in AA, once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. This comes down to you will always be managing this in your life. You just need to learn how to do it. And when we give you the truth, as Dr. Dode says, then you'll be able to cope with it better. Um, and I'm going to butcher it. And there's a couple different variations. Uh, but C.S. Lewis uh, has a quote that uh, I think kind of plays into this. He says, if we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. He has another quote that is close to that that basically says that if we achieve a thing and it doesn't satisfy, then it wasn't the thing we were truly seeking. And both of these kind of work together in the sense that if we are trying to cope with life, that's how I kind of look at addictions. It's okay. How do you cope with life? Do you turn to addiction or do you turn to the Lord? We will find that we're not satisfied with this world. So we need to ask the question, what are we really going to be satisfied with? And the things of this, this world will never satisfy. That's, that's actually part of my testimony. I came to Christ because looking at the world and the life I was living, uh, no, I wasn't strung out on drugs. No, I wasn't doing this. But I just found nothing satisfied, and I was tired mm -hmm. of chasing the wind. Mm -hmm. And in addictions, it's, it's I feel weak. I need to be satisfied. How am I going to satisfy myself? Um, sometimes the drugs numb the pain. Sometimes the, the gossip or the shopping or the gambling is uplifting me because I feel worthy. I feel like I deserve this. I feel like entering into a fantasy world where I am the hero. And uh, these things can all be addictive. And uh, it comes back to, it, I, I say they can be addictive. We put the blame on them, but they're not truly addictive because getting back to myth number one, it's really an issue of the heart. What is? What am I desiring? What am I seeking? Yes. Um, and so, you know, I think uh, the drug, as, as you've said before, the drug isn't the problem. It's the fallen heart and the desires of the flesh. And uh, I, I think that's one of the things we need to look at is there is a, a surface truth that I'm looking for something. But the real spiritual truth is only Jesus Christ is going to satisfy yeah, that was a powerful quote that you you uh, used there about you know if it if it doesn't satisfy, it's really not what I'm I was looking for. Wow, mm -hmm. that's the deception. And, yeah, there is a huge deception, and and I really have uh, seen this. If uh, if y'all haven't bought it, those that are listening in, John Street has a book called The Passions of the Heart. And he has a whole big section starting on page 48 that basically he says this, the difference between sexual temptation and slavery. And what he does is he breaks things down to, are you enslaved to a sin, an idolatry of serving the self, or are you just struggling with a temptation? And so there's like different levels. And we might say that the addict uh, just gives in, gives in, gives in. It's occupied by their mind. It's basically idolatry. It's the thing that they live for because that's how they're coping with life. And it's a little different when uh, it might be something you indulge in every now and again and fall and slip. So it's not a life-dominating sin. And I think this myth uh, 
that things are addictive is again, passing the blame. And as John streets pointing out, it's our heart condition. How deep is our heart seeking satisfaction in some form of an idol? Yeah. Uh, and, and I hope I'm not being too redundant here, but you know, as you brought up the Hebrews passage, I, I love that talking about it's the word of God. And mm-hmm. you know, what does my soul long for? How am I discerning? What are the intentions of my heart? And so the intentions, uh, when I want to seek something out to satisfy a heart issue, uh, it becomes, it can become what we would call addictive. And we, we grab onto that, uh, for the longest time when I was growing up, I wanted a Ferrari. Now I still wouldn't mind one, but the, the reason I wanted a Ferrari is if you own a Ferrari, you are better than everybody else. And it makes a statement. <laughs> and yeah. that was honestly, I, you know, I have struggled with materialism. And materialism is not necessarily a craving for the things, the Ferrari, the Invicta watches, the, you know, under armor gear, whatever might be the fad of the day. But it is this longing to say, I want people to look at me and respond to, oh, that guy's got it going on. That guy's the authority. That guy's, uh, you know, that guy's better than everybody else. Or he's the man, you know. Right. And so it's feeding the pride of the heart. So really this all does come back down to the heart. What is the condition of our heart? And uh, I look at this and how would I handle myth number one? If it was, uh, if I was thinking, okay, I'm addicted uh, to this and I want these things. um, I need to realize, no, I'm not really addicted to these things. It's the condition of my heart. So that is the key to overcoming what we would normally call an addiction. Right. It's rather than giving to these things, may I find my hope and my peace in Jesus Christ. Amen. Ding, 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 ding. Wes has um, scored. That's perfect. All right. Well, Three-pointer. Yeah. <laughs> and I th- the reason is, the reason I'm excited about this is you nailed it. If I'm blaming cocaine then mm-hmm. I'm failing to see that it's my heart desiring cocaine and mm-hmm. that it's cocaine that's addictive. Now, we're not saying there aren't physical cravings and withdrawal symptoms and those kinds mm-hmm. of things, but that's only yeah, because... Yeah, give pleasure. Yeah, that, that's right. That's what I was going to say. The, that's only because the pleasure on certain things is, is maybe mm-hmm. higher, produces you know a, a higher pleasure threshold in our bodies then maybe mm-hmm. the peanut butter M&Ms do, although you could argue <laughs> those are pretty good too. So, so I mean, um, you know, different things for different people. And yes, drugs feel good in your body. You know, mm-hmm. things, we're not denying that, the pleasure, but we're not, we're saying those things aren't in and of themselves addictive and those things aren't the problem. It's my heart that desires Amen. that, and, and you just nailed it. Yeah, that's really good. Uh, one, one quick example is one reason some men might struggle with pornography is not that the pornography has this addiction. It's not like a chemical that enters the, the body. It does give pleasure, but I think some reasons that some people uh, turn to pornography is maybe in their life 
things are not what they hope. Maybe they used to be the running back in high school and now they're working in a job that they never wanted and they have a terrible life, a terrible boss, a terrible marriage. So they enter into this fantasy world of pornography so that just for a few moments, that desire of, ooh, you're so wonderful is being fulfilled if only in a fantasy. Right. Um, and I could say the same for computer gaming. Now, mind you, I'm a gamer. Um, I'm planning on getting on uh, the new Star Wars game this afternoon. But you become this character that's the hero in a story. And maybe they feel a failure in life, and so they cope with life by going to these things where they are the center hero of a fantasy. And so that's not going to satisfy, and it can even be manageable, but what we will always fall short of the glory of God, and you won't really be living. And I love how Jesus says, I came to give them life and life more abundantly. Come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And so rather than turning to these things and saying that they are addictive and they have control of us, the joy comes, and I think this gets into myth number two, the joy comes when we find the glorious life that is in Christ. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. All right. Now let's try to cover myth number two, which Dr. Okay. Dode says you have to hit bottom before you can get well. This is on pages 93 and 94 of his book, The Heart mm-hmm. of Addiction. You have to hit bottom before you can get well or get sober. Yeah, that's definitely a myth. I mean, um, back to my own testimony, I was just finding life unsatisfactory and I wouldn't rock bottom. I just realized, you know what, this isn't working. Yeah. And I'm tired of wasting my time on things that don't work. Um, But I love uh, some things that you've written here. It says, uh, you, you wrote at one point about how only when the Holy Spirit brings conviction, John 16, 8, and God grants repentance, does someone hit bottom? And uh, reading the book and things, we never really know when we hit bottom. That's subjective. That's right. We don't know if we could have gotten worse. And we kind of hit, you know, um, I look at it this way. Sometimes people give a testimony, and, and maybe they haven't thought this through. I'm not knocking them by any means, but they'll say, I hit rock bottom. Well, sometimes that almost comes across as bragging, going, my sin was far worse than your sin, and let me tell you how to live. Mm. Um, and I know they don't mean that, but sometimes in our human subjectiveness and the way the perspective we've had, we, we might consider something rock bottom. But the truth is, is God can save you anywhere. I mean, look at the Apostle Paul. He wasn't rock bottom. He was living the high life. He was popular. He was the head sheriff arresting Christians. And, and Jesus says enough and brings him under conviction and repentance. Um, and so I'm looking in, in Dodes's book and on page 93, one of the things he says implicit in this is that you, uh, are stupid or unable to learn from experience. And he's saying that some people have this attitude that they have to hit rock bottom to wake them up to a reality. Uh, but that's almost saying that that limits God. God can work on anybody anywhere and turn them around. That's exactly right. The um the you know the the rock bottom. I remember the comedian Tim Hawkins. I like Tim Hawkins. He mm-hmm. um he said you know he, somebody stands up and gives their testimony and boy it's just like 
addicted to heroin. I was a prostitute, this and that. And he's like, man, I don't have that kind of testimony, you know, and it, it can be bragging, like, look how far down I went. I hit yeah. the bottom, you know, and we're not, and, and, you know, uh, it is subjective. And I just think, you know, we're, we've got to not sensationalize the consequences because consequences alone don't change the human heart, but it's the Holy mm -hmm. Spirit's work to bring conviction that God grants repentance. I love Romans 2, 4, which says, or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. And that can happen at any point along the way. This idea of a bottom is just so subjective to me and, and, um, and so consequential that I think it can take away, it doesn't have to, but it can take away from the power of the Holy Spirit to change the human heart. Yeah, I, I fully agree because it almost is, comes across as I figured God out. Mm, wow. And uh, I, and, and this, this always resonates with me because uh, I'm, I'm very much an introvert to be, to be honest. Um, and I went out to lunch with a guy from church one day and I'll call him Bart. And I, and Bart is very intelligent. He has a PhD in engineering, electrical engineering, and is a lawyer in two States. So he's a patent lawyer. And I sat down there uh, with him and I said, where are you with God? I just threw that out to him. I said, where are you with Jesus Christ? And we were having breakfast and he's saying, and he, he paused, he looked at me, he took a deep breath and he says, well, let me tell you, I haven't figured out God yet. <laughs> and I look, and, and this is a very intelligent man. Mm -hmm. And he was one of my favorite people to ever talk to because he always had this, this askew view of things that seemed to grab onto stuff that we had forgotten. And, uh, and it was one of these moments God gave me the right words in the right moments. And I looked at him and, and I said, uh, Bart, I said, do you really want to serve a God that you can figure out? Wow. Took another deep breath and pointed at me as he does. And he says, I see your point. And we had a conversation from there. By the way, he later came to Christ. Wow, um, great. And, and, and he basically came to faith because he realized that things are by faith, what God is doing in me, not that I can figure out. And so this second myth, the myth that you have to hit bottom before you can get well, uh, one of the things that Dodes points out, and I think he does correctly, says another problem with this myth is that it gives the message that things must inevitably get worse before you can get well. Mm. Of course, this is untrue. Once you learn the emotional basis for your addiction, there is no need to hit bottom in any sense before taking control of your life. So what Dodes is saying is if you get the education you need, you can turn around. Um, I think what we, the, the, the biblical side would be is once you realize that you are a sinner against a holy God and deserve wrath, God will forgive you if you ask for forgiveness, change your life, justify you, and sanctify you. There's no need to hit rock bottom. It's the conviction of God that we need him. Yes. And it, so it's not a management thing any longer. It's a, oh, woe is me. I am undone. I love Isaiah 6. Uh, and saying, God, save me. That's right. That's right. Well, and I, I think these two myths, myth one, myth two, are good for people to, to hear us examining, talking about these things because 
I think people just kind of unassumingly believe, you know, they just kind of believe that, well, you got to hit bottom before you can get well. And um, mm-hmm. you're raising some good points to counter that idea. And it's just kind of accepted without thought. And so we're just trying to critique this yeah. and really think through it biblically. We understand people, what they mean by that. And we're not condemning those folks who, like you said, who say, man, I hit bottom. I mean, I was, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. we we get that. I, I had... Um, Kirby Johnson give his testimony and it was just powerful. And, you know, he had all these arrests and his story's uh, just one of God's patience and kindness. Like we read in Romans two, four, you know, that Mm. it was God's kindness um, that brought him to repentance, but he got arrested. I don't know, 13 times he was involved in all this, but then one of those times, the last time actually, he was sitting in the back of the cop car and he said, I just realized I can't keep doing this. I got to surrender. Mm-hmm. I got to do it a different way. And, mm-hmm. you know, why didn't it happen at arrest 12 or 11 or 10 or nine or yeah. eight, or, you know, and the family's looking at his life and going, when is he going to wake up? When is he going to get it? I guess he mm-hmm. hasn't hit bottom yet, you know, and it was mm-hmm. the work of the Holy spirit in that, back of the cop car where he was starting to realize, oh my goodness, what am I doing? You know, I mean, it was a moment of reflection. And I think, you know, when we decriminalize marijuana and make everything legal, Mm -hmm. and that I think that's a bad precedent for opportunities for people to to be arrested and to have a moment where they they have clarity, they clean up, they have to think about it, where they are Mm -hmm. and what they're doing. And that's really what matters. That's not necessarily a bottom. But anytime you stop and go a different way like Kirby did, well, then that was his bottom. So it's almost mm-hmm. like you can't argue with that. Well, that was his bottom. Well, I mean, his yeah. bottom was death. He didn't hit death, you know, but he but he stopped there and repented and went a different way. So obviously mm-hmm. that's his bottom. He's never going back to that. So that kind of uh, thinking, too, is where people go, well, you know, it has to be his bottom, but yeah, I think we should use biblical language and say, I came to the cross. Yeah. Or, I came to the point of repentance. God, I, I love the scripture that talks about the conviction for the repentance of sin, bringing godly sorrow and bottom. Yeah. There's going to be some sorrow because we're going to look at all of our life that we had wasted but now it's also a point of joy that we can turn around and now really live and pursue God. Yeah. And uh, when I talk about pursue God, I'm talking about abiding in God that every single day you get up looking in the, what R.C. Sproul would call the meta narrative, the big picture and just enjoy the day. Um, Just an example is yesterday. uh, I, I always have a busy day. And I come in and I grind out stuff at the office, but I try by the end of the day to go at least and see somebody from our church. And I try to go and spend a little time with them. And I actually had a lady come in to see me yesterday. Uh, The typical mindset is a meeting is going to be an hour, but we had a two hour meeting just glorifying God for the struggles that she was facing in life, but knowing God is in control. And that's, that's kind of the abiding we are learning through the word. We're learning through applying the word to life and God opens our eyes. 
And, and for some people, you don't have to hit rock bottom. You need to that point of repentance where you are turning around looking to God. I do want to say, praise God for those that have hit rock bottom and have God has used that, that back of the squad car, that drunk tank, uh, that, you know, uh, uh, restoration house. You know, we've got some of those that, that do it from a biblical standpoint. Uh, if they've had to get to that low, that's great. But praise God for those that have gotten involved in somebody's life and said, you know what? You're searching for something. I look in your life and I see you're searching. Can I tell you about Jesus Christ? And again, filling that emptiness that's in our heart with the things of God rather than the things of the world. Uh, C.S. Lewis actually has another quote that I, that I have on the wall of my office. And uh, sometimes it's misquoted, but the actual quote is, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it, I see everything else. Mm. And for those that are struggling with, I feel addicted to this and I feel addicted to that, my, my advice is uh, seek out the Lord while he may be found. Get somebody to mentor you, to counsel you uh, with the Bible. And I mean, let's think think about it. Biblical counseling is nothing more than intense personal discipleship, and we can all benefit from that. But what we do is we learn to read the Bible and look at the world from the, from the Word of God, the person of God, and then that can help us to, to, to work out and say, no, I don't need to find pleasure in eating three pounds of my wife's M&Ms or in <laughs> heroin or a video game or a sexual fantasy. We learn to find our peace in the presence of Jesus Christ. Yes. You know, I, I just think about the danger of the some things are addictive. You're going back to myth one. Yeah. It, it inhibits joy. Like you mentioned, you're going to play a video game today, a Star Wars game. And, and mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with that. And, and God wants us to enjoy things in this life. And so when you start going through and saying, okay, that has addictive properties and that doesn't and this, that, then you start m- missing out on, on some pleasures that God's given us that yeah. are permitted. Yeah. And, and, um, and God's not an ogre restricting everybody from having everything, you know, we need oh, yeah. drugs when we're having surgery and when we're, you know, mm-hmm. in pain. There, there's a good medicinal use for that. So, um, yeah, I, you know, and and you can eat some peanut butter M and M's. You maybe mm-hmm. shouldn't eat mm-hmm. three pounds of them at one time, but you know, over the period of a year or so, three pounds of M, oh. you know, that's okay. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I love your example there, and and I think so. You know, in, in the Bible. In the Old Testament, God said there were clean animals and unclean animals and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that was to help people in everyday life, God's people, think about him and think about what's clean, what has God told us we're free to do, and what, what's unclean. And so I understand people might be thinking about it in that way. Well, these drugs are unclean and these are clean. Um, but what yeah. we're what we're what we're saying is really you've got to examine your heart motives for everything you do, and make sure that no matter what you do, whether eat or drink, whatever you do, you're doing it for the glory of God. 
Exactly. Uh, exactly. You know, and I, I think it's important for us to know and to keep in mind, especially as counselors, what tempts one person may not tempt me at all, but what tempts me may never tempt them. And so we should show grace that are to people that are struggling with addictions. We, we don't know why they're there and the longings of their heart. And so uh, I love things uh, with the addiction connection and the ACBC and IABC where we get to the heart of a person. We're working on the heart, not the symptoms to help them find their pleasure in God. I like how John Piper constantly writes about finding joy and pleasure and desiring God. And he, he, he reminds us that we were created to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And growing up, I grew up in Daytona beach, which is uh, pardon the term redneck heaven. Cause we got the beach, we got NASCAR, we got flea markets. I mean, I love growing up in Daytona beach. Um, and, and I can look at that and, and say, look at all the pleasures that are here. But really until I was awakened to the joy that there is in Christ, those things only were temporary fixes. And since coming to Christ, uh, I literally am starting more and more. I'm not there yet, but I identify when James says, count it all joy when you suffer various trials. So now, uh, as God is growing me, rather than coping with life by turning to whatever was available, I am learning that God is working through these trials. And if I turn to him and if I'm patient with him and I seek my joy in him, uh, that's where the success is. That's where life really is living. And so though I can have all these medical bills and things coming in, I can still look at God and say, you know what? God's in control. Let's just see what he's going to do today. Yeah. And, and I think that's that meta narrative of we are a small pigment on the painting of a bigger work. Yeah. But every pigment matters and God is using us, uh, in these things. Uh, so, yeah, when it comes to coping with life, uh, I find that, you know, if I were working with somebody that has to hit rock bottom, I think my advice to them, like they might say, well, I'm not ready to follow Jesus. I haven't hit rock bottom. You don't understand how it is. Uh, I would I would sit down and work with them and, and give them the scriptures and, and say, you know, are you, what is your rock bottom? What would you consider rock bottom? And then come back and say, do you really want to go that far into misery when right now you can follow Christ and be on the path to life? Amen. Amen. You know, and I didn't intend to go this long, but I have to say this too. An- another point to that, that that's so good, is the uh, you alluded to this, and I kind of alluded to it too with the unclean and clean. Uh, but in Romans chapter 14, starting verse 13, mm-hmm. it says, Therefore let us not pass judgment on one another any longer. You just said that in your own words, but it's a biblical mm-hmm. principle. But rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. I know and am persuaded in Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it's unclean for anyone who thinks it's unclean. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. By by what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. And it goes on later on to say, do not, verse 20, do not for the sake of food destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble 
by what he mm-hmm. eats. It's not good. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. That's a, a, a command for us. The faith you have, keep between yourself and God. But whoever mm-hmm. has doubts is condemned if he eats because the eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Um, mm-hmm. So I left out a verse to Part of this says, blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. So the idea here is things are clean. God wants us to enjoy them. And we shouldn't be so restrictive and say, this food, yeah. this thing that, you know, I can't believe you're doing that. I mean, it's yeah. the same even, um, you know, across the board um, in an election season and this and that. I mean, mm-hmm. people have different beliefs and different understandings. And we need to be loving and patient and understanding that, you know, there are uh, people who struggle with wine or eating certain foods or doing this. Mm-hmm. And, and if they choose not to do that, then I shouldn't do that in front of them and tempt them and exactly. make them stumble. Exactly. Uh, there was even a debate on the internet the other day and you know where those go, but there were brothers and sisters in Christ debating about how well done your steak should be. Mm. Oh, I know and what, and I and this got into thing because you know somebody pulled up the scripture that you shouldn't eat anything with blood in it, and then it comes out that when you have a rare steak, that's actually not blood in there. The blood's already drained out. That's just the color of the meat mm. uh, and another <laughs> chemical that's in there. Because I'm a rare steak kind of guy. Me too. But I'm not going to do something <laughs> that would make a brother or sister stumble. Right. If I can help it. Um, one other quick thought that I was having this morning while preparing for this. Um, recently, I finished preaching through the Sermon on the Mount. Of course, it, it uh, climaxes when it talks about the wise man building his house upon the rock and the foolish man on the sand. Yeah. And I thought about that in the terms of addictions. Building our house upon the rock is obviously building our lives upon the truths of Scripture. And that really comes back to how are you coping with life? Are you living with the things of life by running to the honor, the glory, and the praise of God and being patient to say, God, fight my battles for me and help me? Or are we running to the things of the world, which would be our addictions, our video games, our fantasy world, our, our, our denying our sinful hearts and saying, well, you just don't know and passing blame, that that would be building on sand. But building on the rock, mm-hmm. I think, really comes down to when our heart says, I don't know what's going on, but I will trust in the name of the Lord my God. Uh, and, and I think that's one of the first steps that I would do with anybody in these first two minutes of addictions, is just sitting down with them and saying, how do you trust God? Do you have to wait for rock bottom, or can you trust him before that? Do you... Uh, do you uh, have a thing that's addictive, or do you realize that God has more power than a thing? And right. I teach, I think just teaching people to abide in Christ and how to cope with life, and, and that is getting to the matters of the heart, uh, like Street wrote in Passions of the Heart. It's a, it's a book written about pornography, but it's a fantastic book about just talking about the way uh, our hearts act and, and respond to the things around us. That's right. Well, and then you get to where people are just like, they view sex, you know, it's bad when God says, no, it's a blessing in marriage yeah. and have as much as the 
two of you who are married want, you know, mm-hmm. um, male mm-hmm. and female. And so it's meant to be a blessing, but there are boundaries and, con- you know, just like yeah. with the M&Ms or heroin or whatever it is, there are uh, design purposes with boundaries around all of this. And, and Yeah, and, you know, we don't, maybe we don't preach it enough or the right way, but when Paul was writing about having marital relations with one another and having sex, it is actually to help spiritually protect one another from falling. And, and I can't help. I've, I've actually talked to a marriage, a married couple about this. I said, when you two are having these relations, one of the things in, in, in a man's life is he wants to feel loved and respected. And that's what he's looking for through the fantasy of pornography and so really you are helping your, your husband through this in dealing with the letdowns of life by him being your hero. And he needs to learn that she is not an object, but somebody of love. And so I know we're getting into the marriage counseling, but it just amazes me, Mark, how if we sit down with the scriptures and we look at life, God has an answer for everything, and it's always better than we ever imagined. And I'm not just talking about sex here. I'm talking about relationships with, with people, how our world, we don't have to have all these admirers. We just have to be right with God, and God will bring people into our life that will be our support and our comfort. Uh, and we won't have to fall into the lies of Satan that, you know, of course, Satan's always trying to deny the goodness of God. But what we're talking about right here is the goodness of God, that it is true. Yes. That we don't have to hit rock bottom, that God's not a God that, okay, you got to get to rock bottom before I'll save you. But he's not like that. He's like, Mm-mm. I'll <laughs> save you now. Come to me all who are weary and heavy laden. And so I love uh, this podcast that we're doing and the, the ways that you can go to the Addiction Connection podcast and find just basically ways to deal with life. And it's not legalism. It's, it's joy. It's look what God has provided for you. Uh, you don't have to jump through hoops. You simply abide in Christ. Well, that's where we will end, Wes. This is great. I tell you, I didn't intend to, to go this long, but uh, you are so bright and and stimulate my thinking. And, you know, and I just I hope our listeners enjoyed our little stroll as we uh, walked through these myths and through some scripture that helps us to really think biblically about it. And, um, you know, I I think it's helpful. Like you said, we need to use biblical words, biblical constructs, biblical ideas and principles, rather than just ideas in the world that sound good. And that Mm -hmm. makes some sense. You know, there's, there's a little bit of truth here. And Dodes's book is on point from a secular view in certain areas that we agree in. But where mm-hmm. where he misses it is where he fails to go to the spiritual realm because he's really not dealing in biblical truth. And and that's our critique of, of him. I'm sure he has critiques of us, but we believe the Bible's true. We believe Jesus Christ is the only way. And so it's not like just, well, you can select Dodes' approach or this other guy's approach or this approach or that. There's all these good approaches. No, 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 no. There is one approach. It's through the Word it's through Jesus Christ, and it is a, a, we teach an exclusive message that is Jesus Christ alone, and it's not the Mark Shaw approach. It's the biblical approach that we want to teach and expound upon, and mm-hmm. it's bigger than, than Mark Shaw will ever be, 
Um, I'm just trying to promote that and get people into the Word of God and into local churches. So I appreciate you as a pastor at um, Poplar Springs North Baptist Church, psnbc.org, as a guy who not only preaches well and is a good thinker, but you're a shepherd. And we heard that even as you try to meet with people in your church each day and try to talk to people and, and just spend some time with your the sheep that God has given you as an under-shepherd to to shepherd their souls. I, I just am grateful for you and for what you do, Wes. So thank, thank you for all of that and for serving with TAC. Well, I love being on the same team. You know, we're, we're kingdom minded here. And yes, uh, if I can help somebody else out, like doing, uh, I encourage lay people to do the addiction connection training. Um, you will be a better servant to your church. And uh, I love, uh, the support I get from the addiction connection and, and, and the members and the brotherhood and sisterhood. Uh, last time I had such a delight learning from Sher- uh, Shirley Crowder. Um, just, we got some good people and it's a humble group that loves the Lord and just wants to see everybody thrive. And so thank you for allowing me to even be a part. And it's been great to be with you today. Thank you. And thanks to our listeners for joining us. Join us next time as we cover Myth number three in the next podcast. Thanks, Wes, again for being on the podcast. And uh, we will tell our listeners, take care and God bless.